There really is a lot happening in the education space at the moment, which is responsible, you could argue, for the health of Australia's egalitarianism. A lot about equality and inequality starts right here in our school systems. Just glance at the important Productivity Commission report in January. Many of you may have missed it, but essentially it argued that the huge amounts of Gonski funding plunged into our systems to improve student performance had not really achieved its goals. So if money isn't the panacea to lifting children's performance, what is? Generally, the answer is teaching quality, but how to get their best. The Education Minister, Jason Clare, has virtually invited a year-long debate among us about how best spend the $72 billion worth of combined federal and state money. We've been heeding that. Last month, we covered some new teaching emphases, uh, for instance, in the Canberra-Goulburn Catholic Schools. Here's another perspective from Professor Janet Clinton. She leads a research hub into teacher effectiveness at the University of Melbourne. Welcome. Um, thank you. It's great to be here. So all that hype about money, uh, hoping to really achieve uh, big changes, has it really not succeeded? But, uh, look, I think there are really two important things to consider when you think about the Gonski funding. I absolutely agree it hasn't succeeded, but why hasn't it succeeded? We would probably argue that the Gonski um, recommendations have not been fully implemented in our independent system, there's much more implementation, but it's not happened in the public sector. And why why not? I would suggest that the previous government got caught up with other disruptions. So they started implementing, they had some different views and they chose, I would assume, the independent sector first to fix that. And, and then, of course, we've got bushfires, we've got COVID. But from an education perspective, we've got a great budget in this country in relation to education, but money's not enough. You just can't throw money at stuff and assume that it will have this massive effect on achievement. There's enough research to suggest that building, uh, great buildings doesn't necessarily make the difference. You need great teachers. Yeah, well, I'm going to come to that. But I mean, one of the biggest concerns that is revealed in this study is that the gap between students whose parents didn't finish school and those whose parents had a bachelor's degree really widens over the course of their schooling life. In year three, there's just over one year of learning difference between children whose parents have a degree and those who didn't finish high school. By year nine, Janet, it's nearly four years. Absolutely. And and if you imagine that there, we've stalled in terms of the implementation of the recommendations right back Gonski, that gap is going to get greater and greater. And I think we've seen this during big disruption through COVID. Those kids that were really vulnerable, that, that vulnerability has become much greater. And the probability of moving them out of that vulnerable group mm. has got less and less. And is that where so, you're saying teaching, the quality of teaching and teachers, you know, as you say, it's not just about money or buildings, that's where you think this really kicks in? Oh, absolutely. Because we're not getting that one year's progress for every child, regardless of where they are, then the the vulnerable kids just get more and more vulnerable. You know, a lot of listeners might be thinking, I thought this was what school was de- was designed to circuit break. 
that actually we could rely on our school systems to cut through some of that established disadvantage. And, and we know it does work. It's, is it working less well of late? I'm, I'm a bit of a Pollyanna. I don't, I don't believe it's working less well. There are issues across our country with such diverse contexts. So in some places, it's not working as well as we would want. But, you, you know, you've got to look at Australia. We have fabulous teachers. Now, there is no doubt that in some circumstances, everybody's not getting that equal amount and ensure that our teachers understand the context that they're in and what they need to be providing that they can work for all of those kids. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, there's that um, quality teaching review that was uh, uh, released last year and that looked at early teacher training and how prepared new teachers are for their jobs. And one of its key recommendations, Janet, was ensuring that teachers' preparation for classes was evidence-based and practical. And we did talk about this on a program a couple of weeks back. (laughs) What do you say the evidence is saying about the best way to teach? Is it more this... Um, explicit teaching methods or more student-led? Honestly, I'd go for a balanced view. (laughs) I'm horrified that somebody would say uh, to the teacher of my grandchildren, just do explicit instruction. If my seven-year-old granddaughter was struggling with her vocab and her reading, I would expect they would use explicit instruction because that's what she needs at the time. But if you used it all the way, then what you're going to get is a group of kids will just become uh, having surface-based knowledge. They can't apply the skills in a more problem-solving manner than... It's, it's not going to help future functionalities. This uh, equivocation might not help the very kids that we're talking about, of course. Maybe the, the planners and the teachers and uh, the researchers all need to be on a bit of a, the same page and, and <laughs> say, look, it's, it's 60, 67% has to work, you know, let's just make a decision. Yeah. So I would argue that all teachers need to understand explicit instruction and know when to use it. And they all need to know how to teach the ideas, problem solving and, um, you know, that discovery Mm. about learning. They also need to know how to develop a learner disposition. So that's, that's a number of different skills. What kind of teaching is getting the best results overseas? If you go to Shanghai, of course, it's going to be more explicit, more prescriptive, and they're going to do well on PISA and TIMS. We always go to Finland, for example. Well, teachers have more autonomy in terms of strategies, but they, they don't focus on the strategies. They focus on the teacher differentiating what the child needs. If we go to Singapore, they have this amazing uh, teacher evaluation, teaching evaluation system that the teachers want because it tells the teachers what's working. So, you know, getting the teachers engaged in having enough resources so that they can choose varying strategies 
and apply them in the right time is the way to do it. There's another way of looking at this too. People like Chris Bonner have been writing about this, which is to look at the the systems rather than the individuals, which is a little bit of what you're doing. And mm. he's particularly been writing, and I'm sure you've seen it, about mm. Australia increasingly aggregating strugglers in disadvantaged schools, um, so making it harder for formerly, you know, high-profile schools that are sort of creamed off that their best go to, say, small privates or the uh, the higher end uh, public system and mm. they just simply cannot maintain their um, academic success and there's a great line he's got here a child's peer group affects their identity their post school aspirations their motivation can learn to learn it can also have a powerful effect on the curriculum both in terms of subjects offered by a school and mm. how lessons are pitched it becomes harder to engender a shared sense of the value of education such a scenario is hardly improved when resources, including teachers, are in short supply. Now, that, that's that's decisions beyond individual teachers, isn't it, or their methods? Mm. Mm. There's a couple of things that I think that's missing from, from what Chris emphasises. You know, it is the, the student in that space. And you would imagine, whether it's independent, faith-based, public, that all schools, regardless, would enable student motivation and and enable that learner disposition, the confidence, capability and capacity to choose the path that they want. The problem we've got is focusing on, you know, this prescriptive curriculum. I think when you get to that point uh, and you, you start really, you know, making teachers have greater workload, saying you've got to do more, you've got to do this, then we get into the situation we're in now where if you, if you look at the you know the reasons why teachers want to leave or don't want to go into teaching as a profession, it's about the pressure that they're being put under. And think about the last five years. Our teachers have been bashed by, you know, blaming them for everything. So our profession, our expertise as teachers is not revered. It is in Singapore like it is in Finland. So why would you become a teacher? And why would you become a teacher in the public system when apparently in some sources they're, they're not considered to be essential frontline staff? No, but, 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 but even you said at the start of this interview, it's a, the teaching quality is what is going to determine things and improve student outcomes. So, I mean, you cast a verdict then. I, I absolutely agree. It is about the, the teaching, I would argue, and the teacher. I do think we have incredible amounts of expertise within our own system. Look, so can I just do a quick final? Education is state-based, as we know, even though the Commonwealth now provides so much money. Who is faring the best and the worst? I know you won't want to <laughs> be specific, but I'd really like to hear your judgment. I'm going to go Victoria is probably doing incredibly well at the moment, given, look at the NAPLAN results. So, for example, the leading um, leading teachers, learning specialists, it provides that great pathway. Everybody might say, yes, but you're a Victorian, you're biased. New South Wales are doing some really interesting things. I have my eye on what's happening in South Australia as they move towards really focusing on well-being, motivation and engagement. Um, you would probably worry, and we always have, I think, with Northern Territory. But with Northern Territory, what's interesting is they, from an achievement point of view, aren't doing as well as some of the 
estates, but their progress looking good. Okay. It's hard to nail this down, isn't it? It really is. Uh, but I very much thank you for your time today, Janet Clinton. Yeah, you're welcome. Really appreciate it. Janet Clinton, she leads a research hub into teacher effectiveness at the University of Melbourne. And thank you for all your texts on this as well. It preoccupies a lot of us, I think. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.